are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. We're in Revelation chapter 3 tonight, and I thank you for praying for our pastor, and I'm so grateful that he has a chance to get away. There is only one Pastor Treber in the world, amen? And I thank God for him, and my goodness, Sunday, the messages were powerful, and uh, it's, it's amazing how you give your pastor a little getaway like that, and he comes back refreshed and recharged, and I'm praying that way for Sunday, and you pray with us uh, as well, and of course, for their family uh, through this time. Uh, I'm looking down here with my, at my wife, and, and we have Moses here. And uh, Moses, I've prayed for you a lot over the years, and it's so good to see you. I want to see you before you leave. And at last I knew you were living in the Sacramento area, and he was a member of our church many years ago uh, up near the Sacramento area. And I've prayed a lot for your family. I thank God for you. I hope to see you and get you registered for Golden State Baptist College. I'm not sure how old you are, but uh, we'll talk about that. And uh, that is wonderful. The fifth church in Revelation is the church of Sardis. And it was a dead church. And uh, tonight, that's going to be the focus uh, as we look at this church and the fact that it was dead. But I can assure you the message won't be dead. And I can tell you this. The focus towards the end is what brings life, and the focus of the message will be life. I'm thankful for eternal life tonight. How about you? Amen? And uh, thank the Lord for that. We're in Revelation chapter number 3, and let's look down, if you would, beginning in verse number 1, and let's stand together. Revelation chapter 3, and verse number 1, we'll stand, stretch our legs. I know you've been up and down a little bit tonight, so I apologize. If you can stand, if you can't, I understand. The Bible says, Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, and that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father in heaven, tonight we sure love you. We're thankful for the privilege to be in your house tonight. We thank you, Lord, for uh, how you have spoken to our heart through song tonight. And God, we're asking for your anointing upon the preaching of your word. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And long after this message is preached... Lord, I pray that the truth would be remembered. I don't need to be remembered, but I pray, God, that the truths from your word would be remembered. I thank you for our pastor. I can recall the times that I've heard him preach from this very passage. And, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak to each of our hearts tonight 
And may we respond to your word and by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I can recall vividly hearing Pastor preach from this passage of Scripture years ago uh, when I was in Bible college. I can recall about a decade or so ago taking a group of men from the church where I pastored for many years uh, as we drove out of town to hear Pastor preach in our area. And I remember him preaching from this text. I believe one of the greatest fears that our pastor has is I've heard him give the illustration of people coming to the church house here and finding it empty. I've heard him preach from this text about the church of Sardis. This church had a name, but it was only a name. The name was that the church was alive, but the reality was inside it was dead. My family and I went, my wife and I went with our Christian school many years ago on a field trip. And we went to the Marshall Gold Discovery up in the Coloma area there. James Marshall at Sutter's Mill discovered gold and really was the one who sparked the gold rush back in 1848. But let me back up and tell you this. Before we took the kids on this field trip, my wife and I had taken our children not long before to Old Sacramento, to downtown. Have you been to Old Downtown Sacramento? And they've got a museum there, and outside the museum, there's an area where you can gold pan. Well, I grew up, and my father, he is interested in so many things, and one of them is gold panning. And my dad taught me when I was a young man how to gold pan. And I can tell you this, if there's gold to be panned, I can pan gold. I can do that. And uh, the reality is, just as the gold rush ended, there's not a lot of gold unless you really know where it's at and so forth. But I remember taking my children through that museum, and as we gold panned, I, I went to the trough there, and they actually put gold in those troughs out there, and you can literally pan gold out of the troughs. Now, there's, I think, four or so of them, and, and I don't know how much gold, maybe $100 separated over four or five different sloughs there that you can pan in, and so maybe there's $20 worth of gold in each one, and you would have to really know how to pan well to even get a dollar's worth of gold uh, if you knew how to gold pan, but my dad taught me how to do it, and so sure enough, I impressed my children, and I was able to get some gold in my pan. Nobody else could do that. They were finding all these other things, and I'm showing them gold, and especially my daughter. I don't know why girls are so attracted to gold, but she was very impressed with her father. So fast forward to the field trip now, and my daughter is telling all of her friends, my dad can pan for gold, and if there's gold, I didn't know about it. And we got there, and, and uh, so they showed us around. It was really exciting. They took us out to the creek, and and they gave the kids some gold pans. And I said to the people on the bank, I said, it, 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 that worked there. We'd gone through the, 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 uh, uh, the store there and such. And, and I said, is there really gold out here? And they said, no, nah, you're not going to you know, get any gold, but it's fun for the kids to pan, you know. And so the kids were out there, and my wife leans over. She says, honey, you're in trouble. I said, what's the matter? She said, Joy's been telling all of her friends that you're going to get gold just like you did. And I said, oh, my, what are we going to do? She said, well, I did see a little bottle of gold flakes in the store for 20 bucks. I said, 20 bucks? Man, that's expensive. I said, you better do it or I'm going to be in trouble. So sure enough, my wife snuck back into the store, bought the little bottle of, of gold. It wasn't those ones that are all flattened out that look bigger. You know what I'm talking about? They were little, little gold flakes. And uh, sure enough, the kids all gathered around and I was able to pop that little bottle open and dump those little gold flakes in that pan. And I I shook the pan really well, and this is how you know that I'm a good gold panner because I really, by the time I got to the end of the pan, all of that gold was at the bottom of the pan, and the kids went crazy. 
They were so excited. I was giving some to each, you know, ones of the kids and so forth. We had a good time with that and enjoyed it. And uh, I was walking away with a school principal there, Larry Gerbitz, and he looked at me and he said, you know, that makes me really wonder how much of what I experienced when I was a kid was real. <laughs> and and I, I had to chuckle a little bit about that, you know. The reality is, as we come to Revelation chapter number 3, there's a church that has a name. And yet God says, I know what's really real. May I say tonight, God is not looking for us to try to muster up revival and, 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 and try to uh, manufacture inspiration. There are biblical principles that teach us what brings life to a church, and we'll close with some of those thoughts. As we think about the city of Sardis tonight, I'm reminded that it was located about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. It was the capital of the ancient providence of Lydia. It was one of the richest cities in the world. This location uh, was perfect for uh, a trade center, and it was a beautiful, beautiful location with a beautiful palace. The weather was perfect, kind of like here. You know, we always talk about the weather. It became one of the world's most attractive trade centers, and the city may have been given its name Sardis because of stones that were found near the area, and they were used as charms and, and uh, pagan amulets to chase away evil spirits. But as we come to our text tonight, I want you to look back with me at verse number one. The Bible says unto the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works that thou hast the name. You ever meet somebody that's working to just have a name? And he says, uh, thou hast a name. And I come to this text tonight and I want you to notice first of all the condition of the church in verse 1 that it was in fact dying. As the Lord Jesus Christ writes this, remember tonight as I preach God's Word, I didn't write it, I just recite it, okay? He states, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Now we know that there is only one Holy Spirit, amen? But I'm reminded of Isaiah 11:2, As we see a description of the Holy Spirit, we understand that the Holy Spirit's description uh, comes from Isaiah 11 to and it says and the spirit of the Lord that's the first description shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom that's the second and and understanding that's the third and the spirit of counsel that's the fourth and might that's the fifth and the spirit of knowledge number six and the fear of the Lord that's the seventh so the Holy Spirit is described with the sevenfold spirits and we know that the number seven is the uh, a number of completion and what Jesus is saying to the church is that Jesus is the one who has the perfect fullness of the Holy Spirit of God and verse 1 suggests to us tonight that this church was not in fact being led by the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God himself may I say tonight that this has been a problem in every generation that churches are not led by the Spirit of God and when churches are not led by the Spirit of God corruption then creeps into the church when the Spirit of God is not leading, you can mark it down, there will be problems. And I'm thankful tonight to a pastor who's filled with the Spirit of God as he stands and proclaims the Word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ says in verse 1, I know. 
Now that statement I know is very comforting because there are times in life when you know that you've done right, when you know that you're doing right, but somebody is misunderstanding your motive, they're misunderstanding your, your message, or they're misunderstanding your method or something about your life that they're misunderstanding. Aren't you thankful in those times that you can say God knows? Because the reality is it doesn't matter what man thinks. What really matters is what God knows. Somebody said you take care of your character and your reputation will take care of itself. And so tonight he says, I know. That's comforting. It's also challenging because God knows everything. And that motivates us to do more for him. But it's also very convicting. I know, Jesus says, I know thy works. Christ is always aware of every aspect of your life. And may I say tonight that God is always aware of every need and, and the condition of every church from the founding of the church until today. You see, this church had a reputation. And the reputation was a great reputation. Thou hast the name that thou livest. Just like you see perhaps some beautiful flowers in a vase and you go over to smell the flowers or touch the flowers... And you realize they're fake. I've seen fake flowers from a mile away and said, those are fake flowers. But I've seen a few flowers I've had to go over and try to touch and smell. And I was disappointed that they were fake. I was impressed because they looked alive. The church at Sardis looked alive, but it was dying. And I want to say tonight that having a good name is vitally important. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22:1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. But as important as a good name is, I'd rather have life without a name than have a name without life. I don't know about you, but I, I recall a number of times over the years, and I want to be careful because I know we've lost some, some wonderful people here in North Valley Baptist Church recently, but I would say to you tonight, there have been a number of times over the years, last month I would have celebrated 20 years as the senior pastor in Woodland, not counting the time I was the intern pastor of a barbecue. The past over the 20 years of pastoring, there have been a number of times that I've gone into the intensive care unit to see somebody I love dearly and was praying for fervently, or even a family member from my wife's side of the family or my own in the intensive care unit. There have been times that the terror of seeing them on life support kind of seeps into your heart and, and mind and the love and the care and the concern, the prayer to see them pull through. And tonight, the church of Sardis was on spiritual life support. And the reality was they weren't even aware of it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. May I say tonight that we have churches today, they think they're doing really great because they have a reputation. But the reality is, God knows what's, what's taking place on the inside. While many would have looked at this church as a great church, as a thriving church, God had already placed his stamp on the church. Hey, Sardis, you're a dying church. And Christ is asking the church to wake up, to use their spiritual eyes to see the condition of their dying church. And, 
If God's people are not growing spiritually tonight, I would submit to you that they're decaying from the inside out. And tonight, every one of us need to ask ourselves this question. How much have I grown in my Christian life in the last month? How much have I grown in my Christian life in the last 12 months? How much have I been growing in the Christian life? May I say that you, or we could be like the children of Israel who wandered aimlessly in the wilderness going in circles for 40 years because they lacked the faith they needed to step across the Jordan and into the promised land. This church needed to do a work of faith, but because they lacked faith, what God had called them to accomplish. Oftentimes, God reminds the church to do a work of faith. Faith without works is dead, James said. May I say tonight that you and I need to analyze our own lives to see are we doing a work of faith because we love the Lord Jesus Christ or are we trying to show off because the church of Sardis, it was all about the exterior and all about what everybody else could see. But it had very little to do with what God knew. The message to the church at Sardis is a warning to every great church from every generation. You, can't lift off, you cannot live off the glory of the past. Dr. Mike Johnson taught us while we were in Bible college that great ministries often go through four stages. It starts with a man. And from a man, it moves to a movement. And after the movement takes way, it becomes a machine. And then often after the machine phase, it moves into the monument phase. The Sardis was at the monument stage. But I'm submitting to you tonight, I'm thankful. I'm thankful tonight because when the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and when the Spirit of God is leading the church, my friend, there is always hope. There's always hope. Sardis probably had a great music program. Perhaps they had a choir. No doubt they were healthy financially, free from doctrinal heresy. But unfortunately, it was functioning off the past reputation. Just as a star can fall from the sky and for years we can see the light. The light of a star that's already gone. These people were living off of the past. They were living a lie. The members were physically alive. They were eternally saved, but they were spiritually dying. My friend, I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great physician. And as Jesus felt the pulse of this church, hey, he pronounced them dead. And I'm reminded tonight, the members of North Valley Baptist Church, that my family and I have grown to love so dearly last 12 months that God has allowed us to be here. It would be easy for us to say, look at all that God has accomplished with our church. Look at what God has done uh, through this ministry. Look at all the great things that he has done and frankly that he's still doing. And, and we could, if we're not careful, give ourselves a pass on this warning that Christ gives to us. But tonight I'm reminded of many years ago having the privilege to go with our pastor to the home of Dr. Lee Robertson just a year or so before he passed away. 
And as we stood at Dr. Lee Robertson's kitchen table, out overlooking the glass window that overlooked the valley of Chattanooga, Tennessee, Pastor pointed to me about where the church and the college buildings were. And I said, that's where my parents met. My parents met at Tennessee Temple University. And tonight, that 6,000-seat auditorium sits empty. Tonight, as I think about a college that's gone and a church that's gone, I'm reminded of a church called Landmark Baptist Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I heard the gospel, where I trusted Christ as my Savior, and where I was baptized. That church tonight is gone. Tonight, I'm reminded of a church about three hours from where we sit tonight, where God called me to preach as a young boy. Tonight, that church is gone. I know you're going to think it's me, right? <laughs> Started with my mom and dad. My Christian life, where I met my wife, where I married my wife. And I remember God calling me to come to Bible College and come to Golden State Baptist College and join North Valley Baptist Church. I went from Pleasant Valley Baptist Church to North Valley Baptist Church, and then God called me to pastor West Valley Baptist Church. I've been in the valley for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful that there's churches that are alive and doing great things for the cause of Christ. We see the condition of the church in verse 1. It was dying. But I want you to notice the command of Christ in verse 2 to bring spiritual life to the church. He says in verse 2, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect or complete before God. The command is to strengthen the church, to help it survive and thrive again was Christ's command. The church of Sardis was in critical condition, as I've said, and on life support. And tonight you and I are going to have to ask ourselves the question, do we want to be a part of a remnant that we see in Sardis that strengthens the things that remain and strengthens the ministry to move on for the glory of God? As we think about the situation with COVID, who could have imagined that the buses wouldn't be running? Who could have ever imagined that North Valley Baptist School would have to go online and close their campus in Golden State Baptist College would have to close her campus and we actually would have to close the doors of the church for a while and go online? We have a massive task ahead of us, church family. A massive task ahead of us. Extreme circumstances call for, sometimes, extreme measures. You see, I read the story many years ago. There was a woman in, with a little baby who was riding a stagecoach in the mountains of Montana. It was bitterly cold. The woman was freezing and doing everything she could to bundle up her baby. The stagecoach driver was trying to move as quickly as he could to get to the destination, but in the midst of the wilderness, the bitter cold that continued to creep in, he noticed that she was slipping off and becoming unconscious. The man knew that he didn't want this woman and her baby to die on his watch. 
And I struggle with telling this story. But there's a lot of power in this story. The man pulls the stagecoach to a halt. He gets out. He bundles the baby up and puts the baby underneath the seat. He grabs the lady and pulls her out from the stagecoach and leads her into the road and gets back on the stagecoach and begins to ride away. The mother coming out and in a consciousness acknowledges and recognizes that the stagecoach is leaving and she doesn't have her baby. And the woman, with adrenaline and panic and fear, she gets up and she runs as furiously and as fast as she can towards the city coach. The driver, keeping a close eye on how she was doing, kept her running for a good little while. And when he was convinced that her heart rate was up enough and that the warmth in her body was back, he slowed the coach up enough and let her catch the coach and then gave her a baby back and told her to warm the baby as well. They made it to their destination. May I suggest to you tonight that God will sometimes allow life-shattering circumstances in our life to wake us up spiritually. And may I submit to you tonight that if our churches today were in fact alive, we would have never been considered non-essential. Let me make this statement again. If our churches today were alive, they would have never in fact been considered non-essential from the get-go. Be watchful, Christ commands. We are to be aware of what is causing the death. And just as the medical staff cares for somebody in the intensive care unit, God calls to us tonight, be watchful, pay attention, and strengthen the things which remain and are ready to die. Support the church, Jesus is saying. Yes, financially. Yes, physically. But more importantly, why don't you strengthen it prayerfully? Perhaps there's not another ministry more important than the prayer ministry of North Valley Baptist Church and God's people seeking the face of God. Perhaps nothing in this ministry is more important as I think about moving into Sunday than Saturday night men's prayer meeting. And I know that we say it, but I'm here to tell you, and I know some of you men can't make it, but prayer is what's brought this ministry to where she is today, and without the prayers of God's people, we might as well write Ichabod on the front of North Valley Baptist Church. The members at Sardis and even the leaders didn't have the spiritual sight to see the sad condition of the church. And God says to them in verse number 2, I have not found thy works perfect before God. God's assessment of the church was not as good as the reputation that the church had given itself. He said, he said uh, I've not found your works perfect. I've not found them complete. And this message exposes the lack of consecration by the people of God and the sin and the corruption that had crept into the church. And I'm reminded tonight that Ephesians 5.25 says that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for the church. You and I would do well tonight to love our church and to give ourselves for this local body of believers. They lacked love and devotion to the Lord and it showed up in their lack of love and devotion for the church. He said, you, haven't, you don't have a testimony. He said, I haven't found your works perfect before God. You see, from man's perspective, the church was doing great. 
From the human standpoint, everything looked great. But before God, it was not doing well at all. And, and we need to evaluate our lives and sometimes our own ministries in light of the Word of God and not according to what man sees. And as we do this, so often our so-called successes become as filthy rags. It's more important what God knows about our life. It's more important what God knows about our ministry than what man believes or what man thinks about us. In verse number one, we see the condition of the church. It was ready to die. In verse number two, we see the command of Christ to bring spiritual life. In verse number three, we see the challenge to the congregation. How are we going to fix the problem? I'm glad you asked. Amen. Verse three, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come unto thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know at what hour I will come upon thee. God gives strict warnings to some of these churches that we need to take note of. The first thought tonight as we look at how do we fix the problem, he says, remember, remember. We are to remember the past. May I say tonight that God wants us never uh, uh, to take for granted the heritage that He's passed down to us. I said to somebody recently, I am an independent fundamental Baptist by Bible conviction. That's a great place to be. That's a great place to be. I like the statement, if it's new, it's not true, and if it's true, it's not new. As I read my Bible this week, God gave me several verses. I'll give you three from the Psalms. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on, I meditate on all thy works. I muse on all the work of thine hands. Verse, uh, Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. As I think about the days of old, I want to see what God has done in my mother's generation. And I want to see God work in my generation. I want to make sure that I pass that down to my children so that they can hear about the mighty acts of God. Psalm 145, verse 13, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth through all generation. So how can we remember and honor the past? He says, by holding fast. Look back at verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and say the two words with me, hold fast. One more time, hold fast. God wants us to hold on to biblical truth. Instead of being so enamored and attracted to everything that's new, the church need to hold on to what they had been given. And my friend, tonight, I'm thankful for my old King James Bible. Amen. I'm thankful for the old hymnals and the, the songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I'm thankful tonight for a spirit-filled song service. And I'm thankful for a pulpit that's hot with Bible preaching. And I'm thankful for the old-fashioned prayer meetings of North Valley Baptist Church. We don't need to look to the new. We just need to hold on to the old. And as I think about our heritage and I think about years gone by, I can't help but think of Viva Morningstar. How many of you know who Viva Morningstar is? Many of you, and I think probably perhaps many of you didn't raise your hand, you know what I'm talking about. Viva Morningstar was the godly lady that led pastor to Christ not far from this place right here many years ago. And the reality is, and I believe she was a Sunday school teacher, if that dedicated, consecrated Christian hadn't 
done what she was supposed to do and giving him the gospel, I think about where would we be tonight? If there hadn't been a soul in her sharing the gospel message, if there had been a Sunday school teacher teaching the word of God, as I think about pastor's first Sunday here at North Valley Baptist Church, I've taken note as I've listened to him preach. He taught from Acts chapter 12 during Sunday school, the very first Sunday he was here. He preached from John 3, 16, the very first Sunday morning that he preached here. And he preached from Ephesians chapter 6 on the armor of God on Sunday night. That's our heritage tonight. That's where we came from tonight. As I think about North Valley Baptist Church, I was reading my Bible early Monday morning, and I don't know why this happened. This is the craziest thing, but I started reading my Bible, and I was literally hearing the voice of the evangelist Wally Davis. I can still hear Wally Davis's voice from time to time. I hear voices, friends. Pray for me. <laughs> Nobody had a voice like Wally Davis. If you've heard him preach, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we should never forget the let down your nets offering the church had many years ago. The walk from Clyde Avenue property to the property here. The miracle that God uh, uh, performed for us to even purchase this property. You see, tonight we must understand that God is challenging us to remember the past and then He challenges us to restore the present through repentance. Look back, if you would, at verse number three. He said, remember therefore how thou hast received and, and, and uh, heard and hold fast. And then he says, repent. Remember the way it used to be? Kind of like what Paul said, stir up the gift of God. Remember how it used to be? You know, there was an excitement uh, around this place in the early years and this place was busting at the seams and people were coming forward and getting saved and baptized by the droves. And listen, I I'm not chastising the church family tonight. Please don't misunderstand the message again. I didn't write it this But sometimes if we're not careful, we let the newness and the freshness kind of wear off. Just like sometimes marriages allow that to happen as well. And may I say that repentance is acknowledging sin. It's confessing sin and then turning from the sin. And I'm sad to report to you tonight that the average Christian today, their attitude towards sin is, I'm okay to live with this sin in my life. I don't have a problem with it. You got a problem with my sin? Sadly, in some cases, Christians have come to the place where they're even proud of their sin. We had a family come to our church many years ago and they had been saved they had been out of church because they moved from a distant state to California and when they moved they stopped attending church. So they hadn't been hearing the preaching, hadn't been under the preaching of the word of God and, uh, and so they, they drifted from the Lord and then as they began to get back into church I went by to visit the man one, one afternoon and we began to talk and I remember talking about jealousy and he kind of had a little nudge and talked about bitterness and he kind of had a nudge and he says you're talking about feelings inside right and I said yeah jealousy and bitterness how sinful they are and he said that's sinful that's sinful and tonight 
Every child of God needs to identify pride and bitterness and greed and lust and jealousy and anger and covetousness and fear and doubt and a long laundry list of other sins and we need to confess it on a daily basis before a holy God and keep our hearts pure and clean and right before a holy God understanding that repentance is acknowledging that sin is in fact sin. It's confessing that in fact the sin in our life is sin and then turning from that sin we come to verse 4 and the challenge is to revive the remnant you see there is a remnant there always has been as you read through the word of God there always has been and there always will be always has been and there always will be a remnant and in this church of Sardis I'm thankful that there was a remnant of God's people that had a heart to do right and to love God there if there was no reviving in the remnant there would be no future for the church and Christ tells the church You need to revive and strengthen the things that remain. Verse 3, if you look with me, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. He says, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come unto thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast, look at this, a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. There was a remnant left. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I want you to notice how Jesus says, I will come on thee as a thief. And he says, you're not going to know what hour. This is a sharp warning. Sharp warning. God is saying, listen, I, I want you to take note of the spiritual health of the church and I want you to care about how the church is doing and I want you to strengthen what's there and I want you to be sensitive to the needs of the church and if you don't I'm going to come upon you and the punishment is going to come at a time that you don't expect it just like a thief would sneak into a house when no one else is paying attention and they're going to creep in and they're going to try to take what they want to take and get out without anybody knowing and the Lord Jesus tells the church at Sardis listen if you don't repent and if you don't take note and if you're not watchful I'm going to come at a time that you don't think and this ministry will not remain anymore and the punishment's going to come at a time that no Nobody's expecting just like the hour that Jesus is going to come again. May I say that churches can lose great spiritual blessing and great privilege and great influence if they don't heed the warnings of God. And we think of the sin that kills the church. He says, thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. In other words, there has been sin that's crept in that's not been dealt with. They had garments that were spotted by the flesh. But he said, there's a remnant. May I say tonight, there's a remnant. There's always a remnant. And holiness will never be popular in this world. Living a holy life is the right way and the best way to live. The world may not consider those who choose to live a holy life. They may not give you much honor or recognition (laughs) 
The world wants to honor everything that's unholy and ungodly. But there is no worldly honor that compares to the honor that God gives to those who are of the remnant, who remain faithful. Only a small remnant of the church was truly faithful to the Lord. And this remnant of the church at Sardis had committed that they were not going to compromise with the pagan culture of their day. They had not grown comfortable and complacent in their spiritual lives and they were devoted spiritually, this remnant. They were the ones who held the key to the future of the ministry. May I say tonight that our faith must produce life from generation to generation. And whenever sin takes a prominent role in the church, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit of God, just as we see in verse 1, is not in control of the hearts of God's people. And it's only through the Holy Spirit of God that we can find victory in the Christian life. And so we come to the conclusion tonight. May I say that life is not found in doing some kind of inspirational cheer. Many years ago, I got a job at the Walmart Distribution Center. I apologize. I don't think I had lapel mic on, so forgive me. And... Uh, it was up in Red Bluff, and I noticed on the news this week, and I meant to read the article, and I didn't have a chance, that there was a shooting at the Walmart Distribution Center in Red Bluff. And I remember walking into that warehouse over a million square feet, over seven or nine miles of conveyor system inside, my first day on the job, and they huddled a big group of people around in a circle, and the manager came out and said, Give me a W! And everybody shouted, W! Give me an A! A! And I thought, what in the world? Did I join the Walmart cheerleading squad or what? I was embarrassed. And he went through this whole dumb Walmart cheer. And I walked away. And all the employees that were screaming and hollering when the manager was there, he walked away. They were grumbling and complaining as they walked away. We're going to see in just a moment, the Bible has its own inspiration. The Bible can bring life, just as the Spirit can bring life. And so where is it, in fact, that we find life? How can we strengthen North Valley Baptist Church in a time like this? Let me give you several thoughts tonight. I'll, I'll finish up with these thoughts real quickly. Life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He came to give life and give it more abundantly. Sunday night is the more you're saying, I want Jesus more than anything. They leaned back and, and sang the words, I want him to have control and be the breath of life in me. And then the next group got up and sang, When it was dark down in my heart, you brought life to me. A child of darkness became a child of light. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the day that you were saved. Life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Witness to everybody everywhere you can because they're open and receptive right now. Secondly, life is found in the power of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm thankful tonight that my Bible is the living Word of God, and I believe it cover to cover, and I believe every single word that God has given to me. This is God's love letter to man and I'm so thankful that I have it tonight and I'm so thankful that I can cherish it and I'm thankful that I can get up early in the morning and spend time and, and God can speak to me and he brings life to me. 
through the precious living Word of God. Life is found in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Man, I'll tell you what, the presence of pastors around and everybody knows about it because he's filled with the Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. Life is found in selfless living. Jesus said in John 12, 24, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone, but, it, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. May I say that life is found when a lost sinner receives Christ as their Savior. Amen. Life is found at North Valley when we send pastor on vacation. He comes back and preaches. Amen. Life is found in godly speech. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And can I close with this thought tonight? Life is found at the empty tomb. Take your hymnals, if you would, tonight and turn over to 357. I'm thankful as we think about the empty tomb this evening. We're reminded that Jesus rose from the grave and he defeated death. He defeated the old devil and he defeated sin. 357. Brother Caleb Galvin, would you come? Let's sing this tonight as we close. 357. Beyond the cross is a tomb that is empty. Needing strength for my journey, I knelt at the cross where Jesus once died for me. I'm thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ tonight. Let's stand together. Let's sing it from the first together now.
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.